What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. Thank you for joining us. This is your friendly neighborhood town strategy nerd, Dr. Jim, and welcome to the HR Impact Show. Our mission is to empower busy HR teams at small to mid-sized organizations and help them create engaged elite teams. And today we're gonna have a 20-year Air Force veteran with deep experience in HR and L&D spaces with extensive experience in HR and learning and development consulting, Henry Miller, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Dr. Jim. Really happy to be here. Hopefully I can add a lot of value. I'm looking forward to this conversation, Henry. And I think before we dive into the meat of the discussion, flesh out that intro and tell us a little bit more about who you are, the work that you've done so that the audience gets a feel okay. for your style and your background. I was a 20-year Air Force veteran. I spent a little bit over 20 years, 21 years to be exact in the Air Force. I worked in all types of different jobs when I was in the Air Force. So it gives me this a greater lens when I look at team building and leadership, which I think is some of the most important parts of human resources that oftentimes gets overlooked in organizations. But I got to work in all types of different communities, working in the training development sphere, as well as it is the human resources functions of the Air Force. So it gave me just a really great perspective. And that's when I decided to retire, why I ended up in the human resource and learning development sphere. And since I've retired, I've been able to do quite a few different things in the consulting side, whether it's the banking side, the finance side, and it's just been really awesome to build training development programs as well as lead HR functions and help build from the ground up, which is something that I love to do. I also like consulting for organizations because it allows for somebody on the outside to give them a, a different look at their organization. And that's always a good perspective to have. One of the uh, aspects of your career that I'm looking to tap into, especially when we get into this conversation, is your, your experience in the Air Force, how that's translated into your L&D work and HR work in the private sector, that's going to offer a unique lens when we look at the audience that we're looking to serve. Typically, the folks that we have tuning in are going to be leaders and members of HR teams, usually small HR teams, less than 10 people working at organizations that are much larger. So we're talking mid-size organizations. So that could be anywhere from 200 to 2,000 employees. So you're talking about a pace within those organizations that's pretty aggressive. So diving right into the conversation, let's talk a little bit about what's that best practice that was a game changer for you in your career. So tell us a little bit about what that was and how you fell into that best practice. I think that some of the best practices I've learned, like when I was in the military, I taught leadership development for four years, right? And at, and that, at that time, it was training new supervisors, essentially people who ranked up to be supervisors in the military to lead others, right? And that's everything from team dynamics to writing, comprehensive feedback evaluations, that sort of thing. But it's a, it's a six-week course, right? So you teach that for four years and you get really good at hearing the perspective of new supervisors, and then you also get really good at hearing 
what they've experienced in the past. So I take that those nuggets with me along with all the people that I've supervised with me into the human resource function. So when you're coaching business leaders and you're coaching managers and directors, the biggest thing I think that I always take away is if you had the ideal situation, I would be training people before they assume a management leadership position. And the reason being is I consider that a best practice is because oftentimes leaders are appointed and they're learning as they go. You're stumbling and you're doing it at a large level in some cases. Sometimes I've seen supervisors never supervise ever. And here's 24 people and you go, okay, how well is that going to work in an organization if they have never managed people? All they know is what they've experienced. So nine times out of 10, all they do is project that onto their team, wrong or indifferent, right? Could be great, could not be so great. And everybody's trying to learn and all these missteps happen. What I've learned anyways, is that if you can take a step back and give them some tools, and it doesn't have to be a large elaborate program if you're not a large organization, it's just giving them small tools, right? It can be a few business skills courses. It can be learning something like through the Gallup Strength Finders, learning a little bit about themselves so they can digest and learn to be a little more intrinsic when they manage people. Because that's something I take away as a best practice, train leaders before they have to lead. Otherwise, your business kind of pays the price. I really love that observation. And I, I want you to expand on that a little bit. You know, as well as I do, when we're talking about small to mid-sized organizations, you have a lot of people that are going to be wearing a lot of hats. And the specific use case that you mentioned is you want to be in the practice of training managers before they become managers, because you don't want them learning on the fly. Share a little bit more about why that's important to train them before they become managers. And also tell us a little bit about if you don't do that, what can you expect to have go wrong on your teams? A lot of things can go awry, but what I will say is a couple things suffer, right? I do believe honestly that most people want to do a good job. They want to manage well, they want to be successful, they want their teams to be successful and they want to be productive. But what happens is if you don't understand yourself and you don't understand others, what you find is there'll always be a communication breakdown. And in every organization, I think if you went anywhere, it doesn't matter what organization, what size, communication is always number one that suffers, right? Because if you don't know who you're talking to or how you're talking to them, and you're not willing to listen to feedback and that sort of thing, you get into this weird dynamic where it's like a push and a pull with your employees and managers feel this. And you talk to different managers, you talk to employees all the time, and you see this kind of push and pull. They're all trying to do the same thing. They're all trying to be successful, but no one's listening to each other. So by training somebody on listening, letting it all sink in before you talk, if you're managing people, can be worth its weight in gold. Like I always tell people, if you just learn to actively listen and you work on that and really digest things. So a good manager and a good leader can always go back and say, hey, I think I may have overstepped on that one. Or, hey, I may have come across wrong. Here was my intention. Did you take it this way or did I just think you did always going and being transparent about conversations. And I get that we all have many hats you wear in smaller business startups. Everybody wears multiple hats. You hire people that are jack of all trades, so to speak. But being able to do that will help your team row in the same direction. It lets them know you care because people really don't care what you say. They care about what you do every day, right? They care about how your decisions you're making. Are they in alignment with the company mission, vision, values? Are they in alignment with what needs to happen are you willing to listen to somebody else's solutions to problems that the organization is facing? And by teaching those supervisors and giving them team dynamic skills, conflict management skills, conflict resolution, how to come to better agreements, those kind of skills have to be learned. Not everybody is a natural 
people person, as I always say, not everybody's a natural to sit down and just hear somebody out or not everybody's a natural relator to people, right? And sometimes your best technicians get promoted and they're not the best managers. They're the best technician. They're the best person at the job, but they're not the best at leading people. They need some work. And there's always the vice versa aspect of, I always say there's people that are great leaders that are just okay technicians. They understand conceptually how to do something, but they're better at getting people and arranging things to maximize performance. And the teams like them in the process. I should be able to coach you and you enjoy having this conversation with me versus, man, every time I have to talk to my boss, they're just negative. They're always negative. It's always when I've done something wrong, not when I've done something. So some of that is part of leadership development is praising people on the spot, early, fast, and let them know it comes from the heart. There's a lot that we can dig into, but there's one particular area that I want to pull on. And it's this whole idea of you have to practice all of these skills and you have to get people ready for the opportunity to lead others. So let's take a look at how as an organization you can do this effectively. If there's an organization that doesn't have this leadership development muscle built out, okay. what's the one pitfall that they need to watch out for? Yeah, that's a hard one. What I'll say is that if you don't have a leadership development program, most organizations don't, right? Smaller organizations typically don't. There's a couple things you can do. One, you can outsource it, right, to, to people who do leadership development, who have a background in it, and they can help you either build something internally or they can come in and do it for you periodically once a quarter, keeps your cost down so it's not a massive cost center to you. Or you look at your human resource department and you look at people that have operational lenses and people maybe even who have a military background or have led large departments. And here's why, because you can build small little micro courses that can lead to big results. And in HR departments have to be more for in the front because sometimes in HR, I get this a lot. You're a different type of HR person because you're out and about and you're willing to take time to talk to people when they're trying to pick your brain on something. We have to be able to do that because sometimes you lead to a better conclusion. But a good example of this, I think would be is when somebody asks you, comes to you straight out and says, hey, I'm having a trouble with this person. I'm really irritated with their performance. I really want to let them go. And I always say, does that person know that you're irritated about their performance? That's the first question I ask. That's one of the first things I always teach leaders is, does the person know you're frustrated? And a lot of times you get, they should know. And you go, but you haven't talked to them. <laughs> so they're just thinking they're doing their job and you're frustrated and they're frustrated. And sometimes you find that there's just, once again, back to communication, maybe they didn't want to ask you. Maybe you seem like you were too busy and then vice versa. Maybe you saw that they looked really busy, so you didn't talk to them. So it's really just taking it down and dialing it down a notch. But the one thing that I would take away is that either A, you can try to outsource it and do quarterly things for your whole company, right? So everybody's getting the same language or you implement something like the Clifton Strength Finders. And what that really does is it allows you to see your natural top five strengths. There's 34 strengths you have, but it tells you what your top five are. That's your natural inclination. So what it does is it just allows you to have the same language. When Henry talks, he's a natural strategic thinker. If I'm talking to somebody who's analytical, it falls under the strategic umbrella, by the way, but it's a different version of that. Strategic thinkers thinking big picture, they're never going to make a decision off of a small situation. They're going to look bigger implication. An analytical person is going to go and dial into the exact specific data to get to somewhere, right? So they can actually be at a mismatch. Or if you're an executor, if you're just a natural doer of work, you just want to go do the work, that can frustrate you too. So you can get into this miscommunication, but you're trying to do the same thing. So you can go, you know what? 
When I talk to him, I need to th think big picture. When I talk to her, I need to think about how they just want to get the job done. So I need to focus on what speaks to them. This is how it's going to help you do the job better versus we just start talking our own languages and then we're frustrated with each other. Even at the sea level, it happens. Right? And you're really trying to accomplish the exact same thing. There's a couple of points that I want to pull out of what you just said. One, I think is especially relevant for small to mid-sized organizations because they can fall into this trap of trying to reinvent the wheel. So I love that you called out, hey, maybe you should look for external help to bring in voices or expertise that have done this in large scales. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel because time is money and you don't want to go down a path and run into a bunch of roadblocks, maybe your best option is to tr use something that's been tried and true. But the other part that I like about what you just mentioned was leveraging a tool or solution like the Clifton Strengths. The value of a lot of those instruments is, you mentioned earlier in the conversation, number one, you have to know yourself. Number two, you have to know others. And I would say if you are building a leadership effectiveness competency, both of those are critically important so that at least gives you a foundation of learning where you fit and how that how you need to interpret how others are acting and respond to that. So those are really strong call outs. Before we wrap up, when you think about building elite organizations, what's the critical takeaway that listeners need to think about? I think the big thing is I talked about the Clifton Strength Finders a little bit, but really what that comes down to me is you need diverse people in your organization with diverse skill sets in order to make it a success. And then that's one piece of it, right? Because if you get everybody that's a like thinker, you're going to get the same result every time, right? Because it's going to be five people that think alike and they're all going to say the same thing and they're all going to do the same thing, wrong and different. But with diverse sets of people, diverse sets of skill sets, you get people from all different types of backgrounds and, and different things. And what that allows your organization to do is have different lenses. I've lived all over the globe, right? I have a different lens than somebody who's never left their home state. So you have to think about having a diverse set and understanding yourself is why I always say this is important. So I know what gaps I need to fill on my team. My number two is context. My number one is strategic. If I know I need somebody who's more of an activator, okay, I need an activator. I'm an achiever, my number three, but I really need somebody who can go execute. I'm going to go find that person. I know because I have a basis that I need to go find somebody different than me because I know that's going to help me execute long-term. That's going to help the team grow versus me just hiring myself. So I always ask managers and leaders not to hire themselves. Please try not to do that because what happens is you're really hiring your personality versus hiring somebody who can help grow your company and help them put the foundations in and help them lead differently and lead better, right? I always say you got to be the change you want to see. That starts with hiring diverse sets of people, hiring people with different backgrounds. And even on paper, they can look different. Veterans look different on paper. But in most cases, once they learn the business, the possibilities are limitless in that sense of they're able to just, okay, I can relate to people. I can do these things. And you need people like that in your organization um, long-term, but it always starts with you. You got to know yourself and you got to get, I always say, get gritty with yourself because that's where it's really made at is look yourself in the mirror and really dial into who you are, what you're about and know you don't know all the answers. Awesome stuff, Henry. If we're summarizing that, know yourself, know others when you're hiring, hire people that are different and offer different perspectives within your organization. And that'll put you on the path to becoming elite. So before we sign off, where can people find you? You can find me in a couple of places. You can find me on LinkedIn. So it's just Henry Miller on LinkedIn. You can find me there. 
I have a website, LimitlessConsultingSolution.com, or you can find me on TikTok or Instagram at, at the real HR dude. So I'm there. I do leadership development as well. I'm always fair across the board when I do those kind of mastermind courses. So I don't try to overprice people or price gouge on that type of stuff. And if you just want an opinion, I answer people's opinions all the time. They just give me a situation, ask me to, hey, what do you think? Based on what I know, here's what I think. I'm always there to help. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. That's my main platform. So I'm always there. Thanks for joining us, Henry. We appreciate you hanging out with us. I'm sure everybody that has listened to this episode is going to pull away a lot of key learnings from the conversation. For those of you who have listened to this episode, make sure you give us a and tell a friend. We want to make sure that we are driving massive impact to busy HR teams who are leading small to mid-sized organizations because our objective is to empower you to build elite teams and engage workforces. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.